No, not at all. Um, uh, but um, we're really blessed to have him and Anne-Marie amongst us. And uh, Phil's going to bring God's word to us. Let's just pray for this man. Father, we thank you for Phil. We thank you for the gift you've placed in his life. Father, we thank you that you arrested his heart all those years ago. And you have been Amen. working through in, and in him. Yes, Lord. And Lord, today we'd ask that you would work through and in him. That the words that you've prepared for him to give, Father, they would speak to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Paul. Yes, uh, so we're we're speaking uh, this morning. It's the last of the Proverbs series. We've been doing Proverbs over the summer. For those of you that have been uh, joining us over the summer, we've been looking at Proverbs. And my title that I've made up is The Power of the Spoken Word. Because Proverbs has a lot to say about the power of the spoken word. Surprising things to say, actually, about the power of the spoken word. But before we do that, I thought I'd show you a picture. Oh. <laughs> this is our new dog that came last uh, Saturday. Um, her name is Orla. She's only teeny. She looks quite big there, but she's only really about this big. She's very sweet. And I thought I'd show you that because it's not a very easy um, preach this morning. So start off with a nice, cosy, cuddly um, dog to, to... No, but the thing, the thing I really wanted to say about Orla is she still doesn't understand any instruction. Yeah. I won't tell you what that means in graphic detail, but she's, she's learning. You know, we've got to train her and teach her. And the thing about Proverbs is Proverbs is about instruction and it's about training and it's about teaching. And so we have to listen to the words that Proverbs say so that we can be instructed and trained and taught. So this morning, let's look at what Proverbs says about the spoken word. Now, we believe this is God's word, don't we? We believe in God's word. We believe God's word is truth. God's word releases. God's word is the power for salvation. So we're going to hear God's word. Let's look at uh, Proverbs. What does Proverbs say about the power of the spoken word? Well, gentle words bring life. And health. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Life and health. It's not just nice words. Gentle words bring life. Life and health. Really? Proverbs 18. A person's words can be life-giving. Life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are as refreshing as a bubbling brook. So words can be life-giving? Really? Proverbs 12, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Really? Is this true? The tongue of the wise brings healing, but the words of the reckless pierce like swords. Now I'm going to read a little bit, um, we'll go back to Proverbs, but I'm going to read a little bit from Margaret Thatcher. (laughs) <laughs> the Downing Street years, if anybody's ever read it. But I was really struck when I read this a few years ago at how she describes when Geoffrey, don't clap, by the way, when I say this, when Geoffrey Howe basically resigned and deposed her. And, um, and what she says about his, his speech in Parliament. And she says this, I was hurt and shocked, perhaps in view of the irritability that had been the coin of my relations with Geoffrey in recent years. I was foolish but I was so pierced. Yeah, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. And then she goes on to say, it was not yet certain what would happen to me, 
Whatever it was, however, Geoffrey Howe from this point on would be remembered not for his staunchness as Chancellor, nor for his skillful diplomacy as Foreign Secretary, but for this final act of bile and treachery. The very brilliance with which he wielded the dagger ensured that the character he assassinated in the end was his own. So hear the words that she uses to say this, uh, this a moment in her life where she was pierced by a dagger. Um, and uh, this is what Proverbs said, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You'll be assured, I'm not going to speak anymore from Margaret Thatcher, the Downing Street years. Let's go on. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Proverbs 18.20, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled with the harvest of their lips. They are satisfied. So we're filled by words that we speak. We are satisfied by them. And Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power. Perhaps this is the most famous of the Proverbs verses on the tongue. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Really? The tongue is powerful. Our words are powerful, says Proverbs. Perhaps the most obvious thing that differentiates us from my puppy, the animal kingdom, is that we have words that we can use. We speak. The pinnacle of God's creation, we speak. And God uses words to create, doesn't he? And God is a creator using his words. And we too create, says Proverbs, with our words. So if you take one thing away from today, take the Proverbs. Take these things away because they're truth. They're truth. I love what, Matthew, what Jesus says in Matthew 15. Actually, this is one of my favorite verses. And he says to the Pharisees, you know, and the Pharisees are so concerned about what they eat. It must be really, it must be sacrificed in the right way. It mustn't have been sacrificed to idols. They can't eat certain types of foods. Very religious. And Jesus says to them, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. See, Jesus knew and knows the power of words. And it's not the religiosity, it's what we speak that impacts our lives and other people's lives. So you can draw your own conclusions, and I could stop here. You know, words pierce like a sword. Words create life. Words bring death. Words bring health. Words crush spirit. Words are food to us and bring sustenance. They can bind a person up, and they can release a person. That is the power of words. And that's what Proverbs tells us. So I could almost stop there um, and have a glass of water. But oh, you, nobody said no. Come on. <laughs> but we don't want to stop there, do we? Let's, let's unpack that a little bit. So the Bible teaches us right from the get-go that words have power and speaking them out is a creative act. Spoken words are not just vibrations of air particles that come out of your mouth. They have the power to create. In the beginning, God spoke and said, let there be light. And there was light. The most creative word that was ever spoken was let there be light by God. 
and, and brought all of creation to existence through the words that he spoke. In the beginning, God spoke a word. That is his creative power. That's what he does. And the Holy Spirit hovered on the waters, says scripture, and God spoke and it was created. And in the same way, we speak as co-creators with God and create with our words. And this is at once an amazing thing and at once a very frightening thing, isn't it? If our words are really as creative as scripture says, we've got to think about this. Now, I don't know what you think about the Big Bang. But the more I hear about it, the more I think it speaks of God's incredible creation. And the scientists say, you know, the universe begins with a cataclysm. We've got, you know, they've managed uh, in their terms to look back to the beginning of time. And the universe begins with a cataclysm that generates space and time, as well as all the matter and energy the universe will ever hold. For an incomprehensibly small fraction of a second, the universe was infinitely dense and a hot fireball. The prevailing theory describes a peculiar form of energy that can suddenly push out the fabric of space. And according to the scientific theories, there was nothing. It's not that there was a universe that the Big Bang went into. There was nothing. Space, time, matter, energy did not exist. And this is what the scientists are telling us. And with one word, God created and it says within, within a millisecond, within 10 to the minus 42 seconds, the, the universe expanded. The universe was created. Time was created. Matter was created. Energy was created. Within a small fraction of a second, it all happened. That is the creative power of the word of God in my head. That speaks of God. And you can read so many Christian scientists who say, the more I delve into it, the more I can't, the more I have to say, you have to believe in God when you see the beginning of creation. You have to believe in God. How can something be born out of nothing? And yet there was nothing, even to the scientists, there was nothing. And space, time, energy and matter was created in a millisecond. God spoke and said, let there be light. You know, Romans 4.17 says, God gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. God brings life from the dead and calls that which is not as though it were. Now, this is the backdrop for me talking about what we do with our words. Because we are creators. We're the only ones that speak. We're the only, you know, species that speak. We are the pinnacle of God's creation. And he has given us speech for a reason. And it's not just for communication. It is for creation. Because that's what God does with words. And perhaps the greatest embodiment of that is Jesus. Because as we know, John 1, the word became flesh. The word was embodied. God spoke the word and Jesus was the embodiment of that word. So we've got to remember that as creators with God, as we speak, words become embodied become real. And I'm not making it up, I'm just saying that's what scripture is telling us. And it's frightening, and it's also incredibly exciting. Now, when Amory and I got engaged, we were with Mark and Sue, who are here at the back, uh, in, in Spain, and um, we got engaged uh, one night. I was very brave, it only took two gin and tonics for me to ask. Um, <laughs> and... Um, and I asked, and Amory said yes, and it was all fantastic. And we said, look, we can't tell Mark and Sue until we've told Bill and Evelyn and my mum and dad. Really, we should tell them first. 
So the next day, we didn't say anything because it was the days before mobile phones. I know that's hard to believe, but it was the day before mobile phones. And we didn't, we, we didn't say anything to Mark and Sue. We wanted to tell Bill and Evelyn and Mum and Dad first. And you know, it wasn't real because we hadn't spoken it out. And by the end of the day, we actually both said, shall we just forget it? Look, no, nobody knows. <laughs> nobody knows. And this is really scary. Shall we, just, shall we just forget it? And then we decided we had to speak out. So we told Mark and Sue. And the moment we spoke out, the fact that we were getting married and we were engaged was the moment it became real. You know, Romans 10 says, you know, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. It's not enough just to believe. You confess with your mouth because what you say with your mouth creates and embodies something. And that to me was, was one of the great, a great example in my life of it's not enough just to believe. You have to speak it out. And the moment we spoke it out, uh, that was it. And the rest is history. So you have to confess with your mouth. That's why baptism and baptism testimony is so important. Now, baptism, public declaration that I believe in Jesus and I have given my life to him. And, and your words that come out there mean something and create something and create something in you and create something in others. That's why worship is so important to speak out and sing out scripture and sing out truth. Because as we sing out the truth, it does something in us. It creates something. Our words create, says the Bible. So what do we do with this? What, what does it mean? If the words we speak have the power to create, and as Proverbs says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. There are two sides to that coin, aren't there? We have to be really careful about what we say, because life and death is in the power of the tongue. And we can make a real difference by the words that we speak. We have a powerful, creative force which affects myself and affects the people around me by the words that I speak. So we have to align ourselves with God's word and speak out those truths in order to create with God. But it's important that we get God's words right. And I thought I'd have a little look at um, where words in the Bible have been slightly wrong and where the kids, kids get them wrong. So there's a few examples of where kids get the words wrong. I thought it'd be quite funny. Um, let's see. Right, next. This is what the kids say about the Bible. A Christian should have only one spouse. This is called monotony. <laughs> now, monotony... Uh, I think they got it wrong anyway. Um, <laughs> bless you, darling. Right, uh, next. Solomon, one of David's sons, had 300 wives and 700 porcupines. That might be true, but uh, I think he meant concubines. The greatest miracle in the Bible is when Joshua told his son to stand still and he obeyed him. Well, I can't believe that ever happened. Jesus enunciated the golden rule, which says, do one to others before they do one to you. I like that. I I like that. (laughs) It's meant to be do unto others, for those, uh, you know, not sure. The seventh commandment is thou shalt not admit adultery. Mm. Noah's wife was called Joan of Arc. We've all heard that one before. And this is the last one. The people who followed the Lord were called the 12 decibels. Well, you might think that with the worship band sometimes. And the epistles were the wives of the apostles. I quite like that. I thought that was funny. So the thing is, we have to get our word, you know, we have to understand God's words and get the words right before we can speak them out and agree them. That's the point of that, really. 
So I just want to go into three or four areas in Scripture which talks to us about our words. On the two sides of that coin, which is we have to be careful what we say. And by the way, we have an incredible creative force when we align with God with the words that we speak. So um, let's have a look at this. The first one. Resist complaining and grumbling. Yeah, that's why I said this is instruction this morning. Resist complaining and grumbling. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Do everything without grumbling or complaining. Because that's how you show yourself to be children of God. So be careful what you say in terms of grumbling and complaining. Because when we grumble and complain, we're basically saying, I don't trust God in this situation. I don't believe God is in control. I'd rather be somewhere else. I don't believe my destiny is with him. You know, those sorts of things come out when we're grumbling and complaining about the situation. Now, I'm not saying you can't be honest about where you are with your friends and your family when they ask you, how are you? It's desperate. We have to be honest with one another. But we know, and you know, and I know, when it goes from being honest to being a complaint and to being a grumble and to being, I'm really just upset with the world and I'm upset with this. And do you know what? The people that complain the most are the people that have the most. The people that have the most are the people that complain the most. And the people that have least don't complain. Because the reason they don't complain is because they know if they did, they'd just go down into a spiral. You know, don't have first world problems that you complain about. Has anybody sort of, that's the expression we use sometimes, it's a first world problem. You know, I hate my car because it hasn't got cruise control. Oh, well, (laughs) boo-hoo. My latte is not the right temperature. You know, we complain about silly things like that. And the Bible says, do everything without complaining. Or grumbling, and then actually you will differentiate yourself from the world because you will shine like stars. Because guess what? We are a nation of complainers. So do everything without complaining and grumbling. So that's one side of the coin. That's the instruction. And by the way, I just want to say this just be careful with the words that we use sometimes because I do this, you know, oh, my feet are killing me. You know, oh, my feet are killing me. Or, oh, this makes me sick. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. Well, guess what? If my words create something and I keep talking about this is killing me and I'm sick of this, guess what's going to happen to me if we believe the Bible? So be careful of the words that you speak out. And that's why there's so much instruction. Do everything without complaining, grumbling or arguing. So how do we counter this? Well, we align ourselves with God's word, and we speak out God's words. Let's just go to the next slide. Align yourself with God's words. So if you feel like grumbling and complaining about something, and guess what, you know, I'm being serious. You know, we do go through difficult times. We've, we've, you know, during the worship, we've sort of been focusing on some of those elements where we struggle and we, we say the right words and we pray hallelujah. You know, we do go through difficult times. But God's, God says, align yourself with his word and don't complain. Give thanks in all circumstances. Yeah? And when we align ourselves with his words, we start speaking out his truths. And, you know, this is, I could, I could, I could have done four or five pages of, 
of God's truths that we need to align ourselves with and speak out. So when you feel like grumbling, have a go-to scripture that you want to utilize. Have a go-to scripture that you go to and say, right, instead of complaining about my latte, I'm going to say this. And I'm going to say, my life and my times are in your hands, Lord, because that is the truth. I cast my cares on you, Lord, because you care for me. If God is for me, who can be against me? He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give me all things? These are the things we should be speaking out to ourselves and to others. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, because I am indwelt by the Holy Spirit. This is the person that I am. And I will not complain and grumble. I will say, greater are you, Lord, than my cold latte. It's true, isn't it? We've, these are the things we complain about. I don't, obviously, but... Um, <laughs> I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. I've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. This is who I am. I am a new creation. I am born again. I'm his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared. These are the truths we should be speaking. These are the truths we should be speaking to ourselves and to others. So if you feel like grumbling, get some of these scriptures and say, right, Lord. And do you know, you know, know, I've, a few things. I've had a tough time at work. And first of all, I said to the Lord, "I've I've had a tough time, but greater are you that is in me than he that is in the world. And Lord, my calling is bigger than my job. And as I started saying that, I thought, well, actually, thank you, Lord, that I've got a job. Thank you, Lord, that I have a good salary. Thank you, Lord, we have a house. How ungrateful of me to just be saying all the time, well, I'm a bit stressed at work, you know. Well, come on, let's get our thinking and our words right, which is, I have a calling, I have a destiny, Greater is he that is in me. So I'd really recommend you get a go-to scripture that you want to utilize when you feel like grumbling or complaining. You know, God's word, sometimes we think of it as comfort, don't we? So we go for prayer and somebody speaks the word and it's comfort. Well, yeah, it is comfort, but it's, it's more than comfort. It's more than comfort. It creates It creates because God's word creates something as we speak it out. So as we bind and as we loosen, as we do these things, we create something. Faith, hope, a future. My my sort of go-to scripture is, um, well, I won't go through it. And and I memorize it. Sometimes it's good to memorize scriptures, isn't it? No, so though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And I will take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And that is scripture. That is the truth. And that is what I will do. So get a go-to scripture. Repeat it to yourself when you feel like complaining and grumbling. And by the way, if you haven't memorized scripture or you can't think of any scripture, do you know what? The name of Jesus is fantastic. Amen. Yeah. So if you feel like you just say, right, Jesus, I just speak the name of Jesus. And Amory have done this. Amory and I have done this 
you know, many, many times where you can't think of what to pray. And we're in a situation, you say, Jesus, have mercy, Jesus. We speak the name of Jesus. And as you speak the name of Jesus, it's the most powerful word, because he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go, and therefore use my name. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, says Jesus. So use the name of Jesus. The name above every name. Next. Avoid unwholesome talk. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment. And this is the amplified version. Okay, I told you it's instruction this morning. Don't let unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, or vulgar words ever come out of your mouth. But only such speech as is good for building up others according to the need and the occasion so that it will be a blessing to those who hear. So avoid unwholesome talk. If that's you, you know, you know if it's you and that's speaking to you. Unwholesome talk, it creates something, it creates negative energy, it creates negative uh, impacts on your life. So the Bible tells us to avoid it. Stop it. And the remedy is in the verse. But build others up. Speak words that build others up according to the need of the moment. And you know, uh, uh, unwholesome talk can just be labeling and saying the wrong things to people. You know, we can, we've all been labeled probably at times. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I've received a label and it's stuck with me for years. So labeling people is unwholesome talk. Labeling them, pigeonholing them, saying this is who they are. You know, you're shy. You're very shy. Don't worry about her. She's shy. You know, it's a label. It creates something. It binds people into that type of relationship with others. Oh, you're always making things difficult. You're the difficult one. You're you're always difficult. Or don't mind him. He's just a bit slow. He's slow. These are labels. Let's not use them. He's the one who always gets it wrong. She always takes it the wrong way. Don't worry about her. She always gets it the wrong way. You know, these sorts of things are labels that we can be bound up in. And, um, you know, when I was a bit younger, when I was a a student, I was labeled as clumsy. Yeah, and I'm not surprised because I did do a few clumsy things at that time. But, But it became a label and everywhere I went, people talked about it. I was clumsy Phil, you know. And... Do you know what? I, I needed prayer. I had to have prayer for that. I needed to be released from that label over my life. And it's a, it's a small point. It might seem a silly point. But make sure you're not being labeled, particularly when you're younger, actually. I think this, this happens with your friendship groups and with your family. You get pigeonholed as that sort of person. And unwholesome talk can sometimes be where people just speak that over you. And if we believe that words create, it creates something in you. And you need to have that released. And if you feel that you're bound up by a label this morning, then come up for prayer afterwards and just have it released in the name of Jesus. Because that's not the person you are. You are called by God. He gives you a name. It's not the name the world gives you. It's the name that he gives you. You know, Simon became Peter, the rock. You know, God gives you a name. God calls you into something. Your calling is so important. And don't be bound by names that people call you. And penultimately, next one, speak words of encouragement. 
you know, I've already said it, but encourage one another day after day. So don't have an unwholesome talk. Avoid unwholesome talk and speak words of encouragement. How we need that in the church and in the world. Words of encouragement. Words that build up. You know, encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today. Use words of encouragement that build something rather than destroy something. Uh, I love the story of Gideon, you know, in Judges 6. So in, in Judges 6, you know, Gideon is sitting on, a, you know, he's, he's threshing uh, under a tree. And the Lord comes to him, and uh, he's the lowest in his tribe. His tribe is the weakest of the tribes. You know, he's a nobody, really. And God comes to him in the middle of crisis and says, God is with you, mighty warrior. And he says, well, excuse me, sir, but, you know, how am I a mighty warrior? Well, you're going, to, you're going to release the people. And he says, well, how am I going to release the people? Because you're a mighty warrior. And those are words of encouragement, you know, we need to be using with one another. I don't think it's, un, it's, I don't think it's a wrong thing for us to be saying those sort of things to one another. How are you, mighty warrior? How are you, prayer warrior? Loved by God. You know, let's use words for encouragement. Let's use words to build one another up. Encourage. Pour in courage. That's what the word means. That's the root. Encourage. Pour in courage. So that people are infused. Pour in theos. God. So encouragement builds enthusiasm and passion and courage in people's lives. So be a Barnabas, be an encourager. You know, if you see something positive, if you think something positive, then speak it out and be an encourager to those around you. And my final piece for this morning is speak with authority. And perhaps more than anything, I I felt this really strongly this morning as I was preparing Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, says Jesus. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And if we believe that our words create something, if you bind something on earth, or you release something on earth, you loose something, that creates, that binds, and that releases. Okay? And uh, Romans 8.19 says it's time for the children of God to be revealed. And I think it's time for the children of God to be binding and loosing. It's time for the people of God to take authority in the words that we use and the prayers that we pray and, and bind and loose. Because Jesus asked us and told us to do it. Whatever you bind on earth. So when we pray and when we talk with people, we bind things and we release things. We loose I bind the spirit of depression in the name of Jesus. It's a word of authority and it creates something. I bind the spirit of depression in the name of Jesus. And I release the spirit of joy into you. I loose the spirit of joy in Jesus' name. And that creates something. And it's time for the men and women and children of God to be revealed. Romans 8, 19, the whole of creation waits in eager anticipation for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. To actually take authority, to take the authority that Jesus has given us and bind and loose. You'll be pleased to know that's it. Right, let's go to the final bit. 
So really, I just want to say, you know, the, the, the tongue has the power of life and death. It's really important that we hear and understand that what we speak has impacts and has consequences. So we need to do, stop doing some things and we need to start doing other things. And some of this is uncomfortable, but we need to hear it. So stop complaining and grumbling. In my, in, you know, as I was going through it, 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 it said, um, you know, I advise you to stop or, you know. But I, I just think it's a command. Stop complaining. Stop grumbling. We've got nothing to complain and grumble about. Because we have a God who loves us. Align your words with God's words. Align your words with God's words. Stop unwholesome words proceeding from your mouth. But speak words of encouragement. And build people up. And speak words with authority from Christ. The tongue has the power of life and death. And Proverbs goes on to say, and those who love it will live by it. So if you look after your words, you will reap life and not death. You will reap fullness and not poverty. If we speak the right words, we will create life in one another and in us. Amen. 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 We're going to... We're going to... uh, Thanks, Phil. One thing I really just want to honour with Phil is he is an encourager with words. And uh, many of you know this. But um, he he encourages me and encourages many of you here I know with his words. And I just want to... Let's encourage him this morning again afresh. Let's pray for this man as uh, as he goes from this place. Father, we thank you for the words that he shared. Father, words are powerful things. And he has spoken from your heart and from your word this morning. Father, would you grant him protection? Would you cover him in your blessing as a family? Father, would you increase the words of this man, those encouraging words, those powerful words? Lord, would you release in him more words, Father? Father, would you speak to him? Would you release the prophetic in him this morning? Father, may you man of your words, of many words from you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. We're going to um, we're going to pick up some worship now. And um, if the things that have been spoken this morning, we, we, we were talking earlier about actually some of us are finding t- times are hard and we would love the opportunity to pray for you. If you've had words spoken over you, as Phil said earlier, that still have a hold on you, which you know are not from God are not how God sees you, then we would love to pray with you this morning. And the ministry team have been seeking the Lord together this morning and they're equipped and they're ready to pray with you today. And if you would like just someone to encourage you this morning, to speak words, scripture, to speak prophetically, just to speak encouragement into your life, then come forward as well and someone will do for that for you this morning. But we're going to stand if that's okay and Tim's going to lead us as we proclaim with our voices the goodness of God.
Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh, to live according to it. For you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And because of that, we cry, Abba, Abba Father. And the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, it's in order that we have shared or that we share also in his glory.